Hi guys, welcome to the Fintech Coffee Break. I'm your host, Isabel Castro, and today I'm sharing my coffee break with David Poritz, co-CEO and co-founder of Latin American digital bank, Cobalto. Cobalto was founded in 2015 under the name Credit Justo, focusing on the underserved SME sector in Mexico. Since starting up, they have provided credit for millions of SMEs, building the technology infrastructure to leverage digital tax, e-invoice, and other financial data to underwrite and service SMEs at scale. In 2021, they were the first Mexican fintech to acquire a regulated bank to support their growth. I caught up with David before the launch of day two at Fintech Nexus's LATAM event in Miami. With slightly foggy heads, we sipped on tea and talked about David's journey with Cavalto and the ongoing financial challenges for the SME space in Mexico. Enjoy. David, really nice to meet you. Um, how are you this morning? I'm excellent. A little <laughs> tired, but doing well. Did you have a good night last night? I did, yeah. <laughs> um, so we're here in Miami. You've got a pretty big day ahead. Like you're going to be talking, right? In yeah. 40 minutes. Um, what gets you up in the morning and motivates you to get going? For me, I think we're, we are solving a challenge that is you know, absolutely critical for small businesses and for the Mexican market. And what excites me and gets me up every morning is the fact that I actually feel as though we're having a tangible, real impact in addressing that problem. We started the business in 2015. It's been seven or eight years, and we've become a major dominant player uh, in the small business finance, SME finance space in the Mexican market. And I feel as though, particularly in the last two, three years, we're really moving the needle in terms of solving a problem that is top of mind for so many small businesses uh, and other, uh, you know, other participants in the Mexican market. Mm-hmm. When did you realize that you, this is what you wanted to do? I have a long history of working in Latin America, so I've been for about the last 15 years, and I've been in Mexico for the last seven or eight. And I think through that time spent, uh, you know, in the Mexican market, it became clear to me that traditional financial, traditional financial institutions, specifically banks. Uh, we're so focused on kind of corporate enterprise lending and uh, as well as the consumer segment and everything in between which we call the missing middle was basically uh, not being addressed because uh, incumbent institutions didn't have the technology uh, and they didn't have the risk profile to properly serve that market segment Uh, and it was really through that kind of aha moment that we realized uh, you know how big the opportunity was from an economic point of view, but also the impact that we could have as a company uh, in Mexico. Mm-hmm. I'm interested. Do you think that fintech is the driving force for that kind of ability to do that? Then, if technology was a factor for incumbent banks, I think it's very much a combination. So I think technology uh, and particularly the new availability of data specifically e-invoice and digital tax data, which was implemented in Mexico in 2014. I think it's a combination of technology and systems and, and infrastructure combined with risk management uh, and really, you know, uh, capital markets. So, you know, technology on its own can't solve the problem, but bringing together uh, relevant technology with, um, in this case, in our case, a banking platform, those are kind of like the two, uh, the, I guess, the two elements that make it possible. 
-hmm. And I think banks, they have the capital, but they generally lack the technology. And many fintechs have the technology, but they lack access to the sufficient capital to do it. So if you can solve those two things, that's really where I think you can unlock um, you know, you, you, you can unlock solutions uh, in the Mexican market. Mm -hmm. Do you think this is particularly critical for the Mexican market and Latin America, or is it something that could be, is applied and is relevant to the rest of the world as well? Yeah, I think Latin America and Mexico in particular is kind of like, I would argue it's like ground zero for financial inclusion and uh, the credit gap. Uh, given that, you know, um, you know I, I think, you know, Mexico has approximately half of the credit penetration on a loans to GDP basis that Brazil does. Uh, and that's the case in many other Latin American countries. However, the issues in Mexico are also very real in other emerging markets. You know, I think uh, many of our investors and financial backers also have portfolio companies, for example, in India. And it's, it's, it's very, very, very interesting to see the overlaps and the similarities between the challenges that businesses face and the solutions that are being used in the Indian market, for example, compared to Latin America. So mm -hmm. I think it's, um, it's it, this is this is these are real problems that affect people and businesses on a day-to-day -day basis, that you know requires, I think, you know, people taking risk and people finding kind of innovative solutions, and I think Mexico is a great case study of that. You've been running for a few years now. What's the biggest? Uh, impact that you have seen that you guys are having? So when we started the business, if we would have ever imagined that we would have bought a bank, I, you know, I think it would have been at that point in time, kind of like a, it would have been like a cute joke. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, four or five years into our journey, that's what we did. And I think that is like, there's no better kind of example of how the market has evolved uh, than that, you know. So we started as, you know, a challenger or a disruptor uh, to the traditional banking system, given that they, they were not properly uh, supporting small businesses. Uh, and we've now kind of went on the other side of the spectrum, where we've actually become a bank and are now really innovating from within. And for me, that's incredibly gratifying and it was one of the best decisions that we ever made, given how, given the stability that a bank and the ability to take deposits gives to an overall platform such as ours. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What are the biggest challenges that small businesses are facing right now? I think the biggest challenges that small businesses are facing today and historically is just the volatility and the availability of finance. So, you know, banks will create programs, other financial institutions will create programs to support small businesses. It'll maybe go on for a year or so and then economic conditions will change and then it will disappear. So there's not really reliable partners that you know you can continue to go to throughout the evolution of your business. And that's really the, that's very much the, 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 the gap that we're trying to fill. We want to be here today, tomorrow, and in 10 years, and we want to continue to offer products and services that support businesses in real, in real ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're, I really liked your business mission, uh, to empower Latin American businesses to achieve their potential by enabling access to innovative financial and technological solutions. Um, I thought that was amazing, and like I think you guys are really making a lot of headway with that. Um, I mean, you started very much focused on increasing access to credit. Uh, has this been a particular sticking point for SMEs, do you think? Yes, I think that, you know, in the context of Latin America, financial inclusion and access to credit is really like the day-to-day -day challenge that so much so many of them face. Mm -hmm. We started with credit. So there's if you look across Latin America, you look globally, 
different fintechs have taken different approaches. Some of them start by selling, you know, accounting software, or they they launch an ERP, and then they subsequently offer credit solutions through that means. In our case, and in the context of Mexico, the real pain point was credit. Mm -hmm. So we began with credit solutions. So we have about a, a four or five product suite, or that we call like a multi-product set of solutions for credit. You know, secured and unsecured loans, um, factoring, leasing. Uh, we recently launched a credit card. So that's 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 for us the driver. And then we've subsequently then once you're have once you're engaging with an SME and offering them credit, you can then offer them bank accounts and checking accounts. You can then offer them financial planning tools, etc. So every business kind of goes about the problem in a slightly different way. But for us, credit was the driver and the sticky product that we saw was really the most top of mind for the clients. Mm -hmm. I, I was actually covering a talk yesterday on credit in Mexico. Okay. Um, and I was wondering, how do you guys underwrite within that context? Because it sounds like pretty mad. It sounds difficult to do that. Yeah, so I think it's a, so it's, I think it's one of the things, the answer to that question is one of the things that got us most motivated and excited by the Mexico opportunity, which was in 2014, the Mexican government, shortly after Chile, implemented a digital tax uh, and digital e-invoice uh, transformation in the Mexican market, where they basically digitized the entire uh, uh, all B2B transactions. Uh, and we were one of the very early companies that developed the technology to be able to harvest that invoice data. So the first thing that we do in our application process is uh, an SME obviously gives us basic information on themselves and their business, and they give us access to uh, the repository that they uh, can grant permission to on all of their inflows and outflows as their tax data. So when people historically think of Mexico or historically think of Latin America, they generally think, oh, really poor data quality, very informal, really hard to understand financial and credit risk. Mm -hmm. Through invoice information, it's been a completely transformational force in Mexico and I would argue over really across Latin America. And Mexico, uh, I believe, was the second country after Chile in order to implement that and we were uh, one of the, I would say, like the early innovators in doing that. Uh, and then we also acquired a few years ago a company called Visor, which was the other kind of market leader in that space. So in order to properly support small businesses and really manage risk, we one of the critical kind of factors in the Mexican market is developing the technology and tools that leverage this e-invoice information. On average, a small business has about fifty to sixty thousand individual e-invoices, um, and we have, you know, let's see, between five hundred and forty and six hundred million unique invoices in our database today. Wow. So it's a yes, I would call it. Uh, I think the word transformational is appropriate in yeah. the context of small business credit, specifically for B two B interactions. Mm -hmm. And your clients, how have you seen them react to this kind of having access to this kind of stuff? It requires uh, definitely a level of reciprocity and trust mm -hmm. between the financial institution and the borrower because the borrower or the client is given access to very confidential private information. But when they know that there's a reputable organization or company behind it, and they know in our case that we're a bank, uh, and they know that in exchange for that information, they're going to get access to affordable products, we found that it's something that people are very comfortable doing. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
Yeah, I can imagine that you're changing a lot of lives with this. Um, going back to like the full kind of scope of your product, um, what effects do you hope providing this infrastructure will have on the SME market as a whole in kind of Latin America and Mexico? Yeah, so Mexico is going through a very transformational moment. Again, I'll use that word again because mm -hmm. I think it's applicable in this context. Um, so you have, you know, pretty strong economic growth in Mexico. You have nearshoring where you have a significant relocation of manufacturing and other large businesses that were perhaps previously in Asia that are now moving to the moving to Mexico given its proximity to the United States, which is a major market. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I would say is I'm incredibly bullish and excited about the Mexican market, the Mexican economy. However, one of probably the biggest economic challenges for Mexico is financial inclusion is so dismal in Mexico. Mm -hmm. So if you look at you know loans to as a percentage of GDP in Mexico versus Brazil, it's like almost half, right? So even though Brazil is a larger economy, the, uh, the cr credit penetration in the Mexican market is incredibly low. I think the World Bank estimates that there's like a $500 billion credit gap mm -hmm. in Mexico. So for us, you know, we're solving a problem that is very top of mind, both for us, but it's also top of mind for SMEs or small businesses in a day-to-day -day context. And I would argue that it's top of mind, you know, for government uh, and, 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 and other, you know, other regulators, given that it's really an inhibitor to economic growth if not properly managed. Mm -hmm. So I think for, you know, for us, you know, we're very, very excited about what's happening in Mexico. Uh, you know, 2008, 2009, Mexico actually managed the financial crisis quite well. Uh, COVID, I think you saw a lot of kind of the entre entrepreneurial spirit in terms of the flexibility, in terms of how people adapted their businesses. And I think Mexico is coming out of COVID in a pretty strong way, uh, particularly with, you know, the increase of, you know, nearshoring and more economic activity and businesses that are coming to Mexico, whether that's, you know, auto plants or, you know, other manufacturers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you think um, the underbanked nature and kind of lack of financial inclusion in Mexico can be solved by businesses like you, um, even though you're focused on the SMBs, um, fintechs and all that, do you think it can be solved by that? Or do you think there's other things in play that need to happen in order for that to... Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a combination of many factors. I think we're not the solution. We are, I would say, an element or a part of the solution. So you need credit providers who, can, who are willing to take risk and who have the technology. So I think we've spoken about invoice data and how that was a real enabler in terms of facilitating financing. You need institutions that have the capital and the willingness to lend to small businesses and take that risk. I think that there are also considerations that are outside of credit in terms of creating like an overall ecosystem where there are other, you know, fintechs are playing and there are other, you know, digital products and there's other digital infrastructure that's also just making it generally easier for people to get access to these products. Mm -hmm. So I think credit is, I would say, kind of like one leg of the stool, but you also need, uh, you know, other, con you know, you, you need institutions and you need the infrastructure and the technology to continue to support it. So I think we're moving the needle, uh, you know, and I think that we have the capacity to, I think, I actually kind of make a dent in the financial, the challenge of financial inclusion, but we're not going to be able to do it alone. We're going to need a lot of other market participants to support it. Yeah. What excites you most about the year ahead then, 2023? 
So in the last 12 months, the Mexican financial services market has gone under, it's, th th there's been some of the most change that we've seen in the last 15 to 20 years. Mm -hmm. uh, some of the, the, the largest non-bank lending platforms, many of them actually went out of business. Mm -hmm. um, so you would think that the world, that this is an example of sometimes, you know, one step forward, two steps back, where you have, you know, you, you think we're really making uh, a major, again, financial inclusion is starting to be addressed, but then you have situations like 2022, where some of the largest players in the market are no longer active and are no longer extending credit. Most of these are traditional players, um, and that obviously created a huge amount of volatility because you had investors who became concerned about the market fundamentals in terms of why this happened. But in our case, it also created a huge opportunity where there's, you know, literally hundreds of millions of dollars of credit that was going into the Mexican market that was going to small businesses from these providers that's no longer there. Mm -hmm. So there's kind of like a generational opportunity. This is something that happens maybe every 10, 20 years when you have a reset in a market where major participants basically overnight disappear and new participants are gonna to have to fill that demand and fill that need. So what excites me most is the fact that, you know, unfortunately this happened, but for us it creates really this, this pretty unique situation for us to kind of fill that void. And hopefully we're positioned to be able to do that. Okay, well, I think so. <laughs> so what's the best piece of advice that you have been given that you would give to other people? Let's see, um, proper preparation prevents poor performance. So if you, you know, if you go into, you know, the, a mentor of mine said that, you know, the five P's. So it's, again, it's, it's, it's almost, it's a little bit of a joke, but it's very true in the sense that, you know, if you approach every situation, you know, in a, you know, in, in the most prepared way possible, I think you'll be best suited to kind of be able to, you know, navigate that situation. Okay, I like that. I'm going to take that. <laughs> um, so we've come to the end of our questions, but I have one more for you, which is the curveball question. Um, random question. Uh, if you could invite anyone, dead or alive, to lunch, who would it be? So prior to co-founding Covalto uh, in 2015, my interest and focus was actually in the field of anthropology. Okay. Uh, so, and maybe one day I'll become an anthropologist again <laughs> when this, uh, you know, when this journey concludes. Yeah. Uh, so, the person that I would most enjoy sitting down with would actually be an individual uh, named Dr. Paul Farmer. He unfortunately passed away recently, and he was a major innovator in the field of public health, uh, particularly in developing economies uh, such as Haiti uh, and a number of other countries globally. Uh, and he's someone who I had, you know, the opportunity to read a lot of his books and a lot of his literature. Uh, and he's really kind of one of the, f you know, founding fathers of the field of medical anthropology. And it's something that I'm passionate about and very different than fintech or, you know, a financial services, the financial services space and someone that I would have loved the opportunity to have some face to face time with. Oh, well, it's a shame that you didn't, but I hope that you realize your dream of becoming an anthropologist as well. <laughs> if the listeners want to get a hold of you, um, where can they yeah, get you? Yeah, the easiest is my email is david at covalto.com, so okay. david at c-o-v-a-l-t-o.com, and always open to interesting conversations or opportunities. Okay, well, thank you so much for your time, um, and have a great day, and good luck on the stage. Thank you so much. Right.
As always, you can reach out and chat to me on my personal LinkedIn or Twitter at Izzy Castro Rides. That's spelled I-Z-Y. But for access to great daily content, check out Fintech Nexus on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can also sign up to our daily newsletter, bringing news straight to your inbox. And for more Fintech podcast fun, check out the website's podcast page, where you can find more fascinating conversations hosted by Peter Anton and Todd Anderson. That's it from me. Until next time, enjoy your downtime. Thank you.